0: God, here we are together, and I'm just uh, convinced that nothing happens unless you're here. Uh, I I can so easily get in the way of what you want to do, and I just don't want to do that. I just want your spirit to do something. Uh, You've known from eternity past that who would be sitting out in the seat, you'd known I would be up here. And uh, you've been waiting for this moment, not uh, just because you want to do something in our lives through your word. And so, uh, God, that's what we're asking you to do, to show up. Uh, Help me to get out of the way uh, so that you can do that. We love you. Uh, Thanks for letting us be your kids. Thanks for letting us be family. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's message is called... called Waiting for God. It was a little awkward, wasn't it? It was awkward for me to wait that long. I thought about Am I going to do that? Should I go longer? Brenda would have said go longer. But it's awkward because when you're waiting, it's just uncomfortable, isn't it? Fred's down there thinking, Mel, I think he forgot what he's going to talk about, you know? And, <laughs> and it's just awkward. It's an awkward thing to wait. And, and that's how we feel with God when we're waiting on God and he's not answering and so I'm going to give some thoughts uh, because we've been waiting on God. We're all waiting at different times, and so I offer these thoughts to you as a, a fellow learner, somebody somebody who's God's teaching, and sometimes who's stubborn. And uh, but I'm learning these lessons, and I hope they're helpful to you. Uh, how does it feel? How does it feel to you when you're waiting and waiting and waiting? Tough. How about when then finally when God answers, the answer that He gives you is one that absolutely breaks your heart. I think the last time I spoke here, I told you about some dear friends of ours, uh, Britt and Kate Merrick. Um, Their little girl, Daisy Love, cancer, and they're waiting for God to heal her. They did everything they could. They went off to Israel and got some special treatment for her, and everybody was praying and thinking God was going to do it at the last moment. But God, Gave them an answer that broke their heart, took her home, eight years old. What do you do? What do you do? Is it hard in that moment to believe the truth of Psalm 32, 8? that says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Does it feel like God's guiding you along a best pathway in that moment? It's really tough to believe that, isn't it? And yet, that's what Scripture says. Proverbs four eighteen says the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn growing ever brighter till the full light of day. God gives us just enough light, and sometimes it is barely enough light to walk with Him because He values that. So that's why He gives us how much light's enough light. Uh, one time Brenda, we were having a group of people over at our house for the Fourth of July celebration, and uh, that evening, kind of last minute, they decided. This is when we lived out in Sisters, they decided they were going to go up and hike up Black Butte. And it was a last minute, so they just took off run, and got up there in time to watch the fireworks towards Ben, the fireworks towards Redmond and Madras. And then it's time to go down there, all looking at each other, okay, who brought a flashlight? Nobody brought a flashlight. There was one cell phone, and this is back before we had little flashlight apps, right? So just the light of that cell phone. So how close do you think those women walked as they came down that hill, you know? They walked close. Because when there's not enough light, not a lot of light, you have to walk close. So God gives us enough light so that we walk with him. And walking and waiting are kind of synonymous terms here, okay? You're waiting with God. You're walking. It's all about presence. So he gives us enough light to walk by. Part of the problem, though, is some of us want to run ahead and some of us lag behind. I'm a runner ahead. How many of you are those out there? You kind of tend to run ahead of God, right? Okay, I see a few of you. How, about, how, about, how many of you, of the, like, the, you lag behind, God? I'm lagging behind. Okay, see a few of you. How many of you guys don't like to raise your hands in church? <laughs> how many absolutely refuse to raise your hands in church? Gotcha, yeah, right? But truly, you know, uh, in both of those responses, both of those responses are motivated by fear. Those of us like to run ahead, we're afraid that, come on, God, hurry up. We're going to miss out. I mean, it's his plan in the first place, right? But we're running while he's still talking. Come on, God, we're af- afraid. Those that are lagging behind us are saying, God, really, that's kind of scary up there. And, and I don't know if I want to go there. I need another sign. But both of those things, we're telling God to slow down, to tell him to hurry up. And we're tempted in those moments when we don't have light. It's light, our own light. And I want to read a Really interesting verse, kind of a warning for all of us, whether you're a, lag, a person who lags or a person who runs ahead. Listen to this verse from Isaiah 50, 10, and 11. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord, and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the... And so he's being facetious here. Walk, go ahead, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches you have kindled. You have this from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. And the idea is you're going to go without God, whether you're running ahead of him because you're, you don't like, you're not wanting to wait, or whether you're lagging behind... Uh, you're going to be in relational torment. God's not with you in that. You've left His presence, His immediate presence. The whole point, the whole thing though, is you've got to be able to trust God, don't you? I mean, for me to be able to wait on God and, and as it says, to trust in Him in the darkness when there's not a when I'm waiting on really tough stuff, I've got to be able to trust Him. And here's the thing I, I don't want to go deep here, but you can't trust somebody you don't know. Now, most of us, you're here in church because you know God likely, okay? But oftentimes, when we ask, somebody asks us to tell them about our relationship with the Lord, we're telling them about a past event. And, and if you're not talking about your relationship with God in terms of current events, what's happening now, th- th- there's a clue there that maybe you're not going to be able to trust him. Why, why wait? You know, why walk with God? Partly because it, we need to be close to him to be able to hear him. Remember when Elijah's on a retreat, when he's been running from Ahab, God takes him on his personal retreat, and, and God gives him an experience. I'm hearing big thunder, clouds, and lightning, and, and, and a big earthquake, and God wasn't there. God was there in a the whisper. And part of the time, God wants, he knows our, the, our, his presence is important to us, so he, we've got to be close enough and in relationships so we can hear him. He also knows that God knows that in his presence, scripture says, uh, Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. God knows that his presence is what gives us joy. So he wants us to be with him, not running ahead, not lagging behind. One of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel, right? God with us. Jesus came to be with us. So in those times of waiting, in those times of walking, God wants us to be with him. I find that th- there are really uh, two postures as I've thought about this towards waiting. Two primary postures. One of them is just worry. Well, what's going to happen? What's, what's going on out there? What's, what's going to happen? The other one's like that watchman on the wall waiting for sunrise. You know God's going to show up, you know it's coming. It's kind of like ASAP in Psalm 77. He says, Your path led through the sea, a path we didn't know was there. No one knew it was there, but God's deliverance. So you're expectant, you're waiting for God to show up. I want to look at some examples at Scripture from Scripture from the Old Testament that show people waiting. And 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 a couple of verses before we go there, just what Romans, what Paul had to say about the Old Testament. Because sometimes we tend to park in the New Testament, we forget about the Old. But here's here's what Paul says in Romans 15:4 about the Old Testament. He said, "Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us." And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. First Corinthians ten eleven says these things happen to them as examples for us. So I want to reach back to three examples about waiting in the Old Testament. The first one is Abraham. Abraham, look at him. And for those of you maybe new to church or uh, new to the Bible. Abraham is really the father of the Jewish nation, and God reached out in Mesopotamia and called him to come into this new land that he was going to give him. And part of the deal was, he says, he was going to make him the kind of the father of nations, and he was going to have a big family. There was one problem, in that that Abraham's wife Sarah was barren, and also he was old. And God kept giving this promise, and so instead of waiting... Abraham did something that seemed logical, that seemed culturally acceptable, because back then, it was okay to have a concubine. And Sarah, not getting, having a baby, says, hey, take my handmaid, take my servant Hagar, and he has a baby with her. Again, made sense, culturally acceptable, and, and it just made logical sense, and out of that came a lot of trouble, both in the immediate term and the long term. But here's, there's an example of someone who kind of Took matters into his own hands. Then you look at David. David is, he's this young boy minding his own business, kind of doing a regular job, uh, out, you know, being a shepherd boy, killing bears and lions, real regular job. And he's out there and he's doing his thing, and he's all of a sudden he's anointed by God to be the next king of Israel. But nothing happens. Now he goes on and he starts doing amazing things. He goes and takes care of Goliath, his big giant. He goes back. He starts conquering. Uh, he, he just became a hero for his for his uh, battle prowess. And Saul got jealous. And Saul banishes him, tries to kill him, throws a spear at him, and then starts hunting him. This man who, David, who the Lord said, you're going to be the next king. And they've got him on the run. And the first story, the, the first little thing I want to point out is what happened in the cave of Agilom. Saul doesn't know how close he's got David. In fact, David's guys are hiding in a cave. Saul comes up there to, and the Bible says it so I can say it, relieve himself. He goes into the cave because apparently kings don't do that out with other guys. He came up in the cave, so he's in the cave. David's men are saying, kill him. Now, this is an example of not listening to the counsel you want to hear as you wait for God to fulfill his purposes. Because his guys are saying, God told you're gonna be king, Here he is. Here he is. Take him. And he said, "No, I'm not going to do this thing. I'm going to let the God do it in His time." And he reaches out and cuts a corner off his robe. And Saul goes out and gets down the hill. And David calls down to him, "My father, Saul, I am. Why are you chasing me? I'm nobody. I'm not after you. I could have killed you." And Saul repents and takes off. Well, that was that time. Then next thing you know, Saul's after him again. And this, and they've got him. They're close on him. And that particular night, David and a couple guys sneak down into camp, and they grab Abner, the general sleeping. They grab Saul's water jug and his spear get up on a hill, so they've got an exit, and Saul and, and he calls down, "Hey Saul, what's up with this? Your mighty men are sleeping. Where's your jug? Where's your spear?" And here's this guy who does not take matters into his own hands, and he doesn't listen to the counsel of, that he wants to hear. And I'm going to tell you from personal experience, that's really tough. When we sold our company in 2006, uh, one of the companies at the last moment upped their bid significantly, and I wanted that bid. And and the truth of this matter is, there was a better purchaser for our company. And looking back, I, I really feel I was supposed to sell to another company. But let's just put it this way. I had a couple million reasons to take the other offer and I listened to the counsel I wanted to hear. And I, I will tell you for me, um, I get emotional talking about it, so I won't camp there, but it's a grievous thing to me. What, what happened through that? Uh, I've moved on even though it's still emotional when I think about it, but I listened to the counsel I want to hear. And you have to be very careful about that. But David didn't do that. He didn't do that. He trusted in God. And, and, and what he did, he also gave us a couple verses. This guy who had every opportunity to fulfill God's plans in his life, he says to us in Psalms 37:7, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act to fulfill his promise while you're waiting. And here's, here's this: in, in Psalms 37:34, it says, don't be impatient for the Lord to act, travel steadily along his path. What about Joseph? What about Joseph? 17 years old, God gives you a dream. You're going to rule over your brothers. God gives you another dream. You're going to rule over your brothers and your father. Next thing you know, your brothers are about ready to kill you. They relent at the last minute because one of them said, no, we shouldn't do this. Let's make some money. Let's sell him into slavery. Gets into slavery. He ends up getting a job with this pretty nice job. And then he's accused by an employer of something he absolutely didn't do. And he goes to another prison. And there he helps some guys and you know friends in misery. They forget about him too. 17 years, 17 years this happens after, after he had had these dreams. What's going on during that? Well, one thing we know scripture tells us is that God was with him and he was aware of God's presence. He stayed close to God during that time. He, he stayed close to God, but there's also something really cool for you, for me, for anybody that's going through a hard time that's, that's been taking a while. And it's in Psalms 105.19 that tells you what was going on. Psalms 105.19 says this, Until the time came to fulfill his word, the Lord tested Joseph's character. That's what was going on in 17 years. God had plans that were so much bigger than he could possibly know, being a shepherd boy out in, in, in Israel. He had plans for him. But he had to test his character along the way, 17 years' worth before it finally came into fruition. So what is it we're waiting for? What is it that, why does God have us waiting? I, I'm just going to suggest that maybe he's waiting for, to develop the same things in us. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this, interesting. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops our strength of character. Hmm. Maybe that's what God's up to as he allows us to wait and endure hard things, things that you wouldn't wish upon people. Romans 8, 17 through 18. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. I love it. But then the big word, But. But. If we are to share his glory, we also must share his suffering. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. The next 10 verses um, in Romans are all about this issue of character development. And actually, when you read Romans 8 in that way, For those of you that have had Romans 8, 28 thrown at you when you're going through a hard time, hey, it's going to work out, it's going to be really good. It's not about that moment. It's about the fact that we're going to share in God's glory, but we have to share in his sufferings to get there, right? So you read Romans 8:28 through 30 differently and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Why? For God called his people in advance and he chose them to be like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brethren. God is doing this character development in us. Why? so that we can share in his future glory. It's not about our current comfort. See, and that, that kind of fly, flies in the face of most of American Christianity, because what we believe is that God's favor, God's blessing is about abundance and, and lack of hardship, right? That's what we believe. And so we see verses like this and they kind of, eh, I don't know, I don't know, but all through Scripture. Through, I, was on, I was doing a, an interview one time on the radio, and the guy said, Don, what do you tell people who say that, you know, pain and suffering and is, not a, is not supposed to be a part of the Christian life? And I go, I say they're not reading their Bibles, right? Because all through, you read any of the epistles, I'm writing this to encourage you in the suffering that you're going to go through. And, and again, what Paul's saying here in Romans 8, it's necessary. It's necessary so that. We get to participate in the glory of God. How long? How long? Also, one thing I do know is this path that you're on, this road that you're walking, this waiting period, it definitely has to require faith. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So how long? What, and, and what do you do? And you're, you're, I mean, it's too long. You think it's too long. And you're up here, and, and it's like there's this fork in the road, and doubt and discouragement and disillusionment has you right here at this fork in the road. And you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. This, this choice says what I want, what I need, my identity's over here, and this one says into the darkness where God is. Exodus 20, 21, uh, the people of Israel are at Mount Sinai, and it is thunderous, it is loud, it is scary, And it says Moses went into the darkness where God is. And that's what we have to do sometimes is to take that step of faith into the darkness where God is. Um, God's plans, his dreams, remember it said his dreams that he'd given uh, Joseph and David, they can't be undone by anyone by anyone. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. They can't be undone by anyone except me and you and you and you. Only sin and only unbelief quit trusting God are going are gonna to stop those plans from happening. That's the only thing. You can't stop That's God's plan in my life. I can't stop God's plan. Nobody can. God will make it happen, can make it happen, but... My sin and my unbelief are the two things that can stop that. So along the way, what is really important is to not believe the lies of Satan. Where he wants you, if this is where God is, if this is walking with God, he wants me to run ahead. He wants me out of the presence of God, the immediate presence of God, and the relational presence of God. He wants me out in front. He doesn't want me walking with God. And he, he wants, if I'm lagging behind, he, he, oh man, God's really taking you into a scary place. I, you really want to go there? Because he's using fear and he's lying to me. And it's really important that, 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 to understand that. And he wants you out of God's light. And, and a couple, of three things about Satan to remember. 2 Corinthians eleven four 4, it says, he disguises himself as an angel of light. All right? Think about the temptation to Jesus. What did he do? Scripture. The devil's quoting Scripture. That's, that shouldn't be fair, but he quotes Scripture to Jesus. So it sounds like it's true. It, yeah. Jesus didn't listen to the counsel he, want to hear, he wanted to hear, but he disguises himself as an angel of light, so watch him because he's really smart, okay? Secondly, uh, he's an accuser of the brethren. Uh, Revelation 12.10 says that. He's whispering to you, You blew it. You blew it. That sin back there, you're disqualified. God's dreams for you, his plans for you are over. You're done. It's absolutely not true. You're out here. Satan catches you out here. When you step back into relationship with God and what Ed Underwood calls the the circle of intimacy with God, you're back on the dot. You're back on the dot. Do not believe the lies of Satan. Another thing. Really helpful, what Jesus says in, um, in, in John 8, 44. He says, Satan's a liar. He always lies. It's his nature to lie. He's the father of lies. So one thing you can expect, that he's always going to be lying to you. Always. So when you're encouraging people, look for the lie they're believing, because the truth is what sets us free. So beware of Satan's lies. He's telling you you aren't a good Christian. He, he comes after you. You know that verse, Psalms 103, I, I, you've heard, all heard it before as far as the east of west, God remembers our sin no more. There's a, a one, a one, uh, several uh, different, um, uh, what do you call it? translations talk about he removes our sins from us. Remember how Paul says that, um, I, 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 I forget what lays behind me, I look forward to what lays ahead. God removes our sins from us, they no longer define us. So we need to remember that. These sins don't define us. When we step back into that, relate, that, that circle of intimacy, we're right back on the dot. We're right back on his plan. We're waiting with him once again. And I, I'm telling you, I'm out here regularly. I was out here this week. Doubt, disillusionment, discouragement. Whisper, whisper, whisper. Step back in. Okay, God, we're back on. And that's, we just have to do that. So... I want to ask a question, uh, just in this and this. In the context of eternity, how long are we really waiting? How long are we really... An hour in the context of eternity. A week in the context of eternity. A month? 17 years? In the context of eternity, as God's forming our character so that we can share in his future glory, how long... Are we really waiting? 2 Corinthians 4.17 from Paul again. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet, that yet is an important word. Yet they produce for us a glory, going back to that Romans 5 passage, that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. They're small, they're small, 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 but in, they're producing this glory. Even though they're so small... They're producing this glory that's going to last forever. Several chapters later, I I mean, I don't know anybody who went through it like Paul. I certainly haven't in my time. He gives you the list. You know the list. I was stoned and not the Washington State kind of stoned. I was stoned. I I was scourged. I was shipwrecked. I was left for dead. I was all these things. Light and momentary. Remember Paul, he's singing in jail with Silas and their praise just started earthquakes because it's light and momentary when you understand it. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. It hurts like everything when you're waiting on God. It's so hard. That's why that relational proximity, that trust is so very, very important. A last verse to share. Uh, Proverbs 65 says, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. One last thought. Um, right, if, you, if you don't get anything else, write this down. Waiting is worship. Waiting is worship. How I wait says a lot. It says maybe everything about what I believe about God. So the question for us is who are we going to worship? What are we going to worship? Waiting is worship. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, I uh, just am aware there's a, uh, a lot of pain in the room, even as I looked around the audience seeing friends who've experienced things. I just recognize uh, that there's pain. And I believe even now, Satan whispers that, you know, this doesn't apply to you. And, and he's trying to, he's telling lies, God. And uh, we just rebuke him in Jesus' name because, Lord, we need, we need to remind us that our best life is later that only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. God, we need to remind, be reminded of these things. We need to remember to walk with you and to stay in the circle of intimacy, to come back to it time and time again. Lord, you said, when, Peter, when Peter asked you how many times you'd for, you know, we should forgive, you told him 70 times 7 meaning always. And so Lord, your kindness towards that is the same way. I think of it Many times in the same areas, I always mess up, and yet you're so gracious to welcome me back in to the circle of ministry, to be right on the dot of your will. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth that sets us free. So God, I just uh, ask today for all of us that your scripture would set us free. God, that we would would, uh, embrace the faith you've given us, the grace you've given us to wait with you, to wait with you. The invitation is to wait with you, Lord. You were with Joseph who endured 17 years, and David, and Abraham, and us. So, Father, in this we, uh, we take joy, and we take courage, and we need courage. We need courage, Lord. And, and right now with some people more than others, Some people have a story that they just heard about last night, and it's going to take endurance as you form Christ in them and then the other cast in the story, Lord. But help us to remember, God, that you're present in our suffering and that you love us and that your will will be done. Father, uh, I pray your hand of blessing on this church, Lord. I do your hand of blessing that uh, looks like intimacy with you, that looks like fellowship and suffering, that looks like um, the Lion of Judah is on the loose. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.